I'm just going to take a second. Can I pray before we... Do you dare say no, I can't pray before you get started? Can I say no? Does my microphone... I don't know. Do you want to say that to the Lord? Or do you dare? New packs, new microphone. I should be praying while check, you do Check, check. Yeah, right. yeah, that would have uh, taken up the awkward now time. Now I'm, I'm post-COVID now. Do you mind I get closer? All right. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you, Lord, for Jeremy. I thank you, God, for his heart. Thank you for his availability. I thank you, Lord, primarily for the calling on his life. God, it's been a privilege to witness his growth and his change. Thank you, Lord, for the support of his family. Thank you for the support of this church who love him and respect him as well, Lord. I pray, God, that you would deliver the words to us that we need to hear today to be strengthened and emboldened, Lord, for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Brent. Good morning. And uh, the joke's on you because I can't read with my glasses on, so I can't see anyone past Stacy and Sean and Ben. So you guys can make all the faces you want. You could actually probably get up and leave, which you may want to, and I wouldn't even know you're gone. Um, so th- thank you for this opportunity. And uh, typically when, I, when I'm asked to come up here, uh, I'm, I'm being asked to talk about Celebrate Recovery, which is, is something I'm very passionate about. Um, I'm asked to tell you that we meet every Tuesday night at 5.30. We have a meal every Tuesday night. We have child care. Uh, we are, you know, we're, we're seeing so many people healed, and, and uh, it's for men and women that are over the age of 18 that are dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's not why I'm up here today. I'm not up here to invite anyone that may be struggling um, but that's what I'm going to do because that's my shameless plug and uh, I have an opportunity to do it. So uh, the reason I'm up here this morning is because Pastor Brent asked me if I, if I thought I was ready to put a sermon together. And uh, I, at first I, I didn't think I was. I said no, or maybe I didn't say no, but I was thinking no. Uh, but here I am anyway because he gets what he wants. Um, <laughs> so if he asks any of you for a favor, you're going to end up doing it. Uh, it's hard to say no to him. But it's hard to say no to the Lord. It's hard to say no to the Lord when, when you feel called to do something, um, even as scary as it may be. So, um, you know, it's, it, I, I'm really not nervous at all. Um, it, I thought about asking uh, Gus to just stay up here and kind of put his shoulder in my back in case I start to do one of these things. Um, but once we agreed on it, he asked me what, what the topic was that I thought I, I wanted to, to speak on. And, and it was forgiveness. And I can't help but think he may have planned the message to share with you all that we're switching to one service because he needs a lot of forgiveness right now. Because none of us like change, right? None of us like change. Um, so please forgive him. But I'm very excited about this opportunity to get to know people from the other church. You know, that's the joke in softball is we'd meet people and we'd have no idea who they are. And like, oh, you go to the other church. You know, we're, we're first service, you're second service. Um, so it's exciting. I'm very excited about it. Um, but in all seriousness, forgiveness is something that is, is a, a topic, a subject that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, I, I had done things in my past that I thought I could never be forgiven for, as Pastor Brent talked about. Um, I had done things to, to, to people that, that I just thought were unforgivable. I was holding on to resentments and, and grudges and, and things against people that I vowed I would never forgive, uh, that I was going to hold on to because they didn't deserve it. But 
it wasn't until I accepted Jesus Christ into my life um, and, and started to understand complete, true biblical forgiveness that my heart and my mind started to change. And I think to summarize what forgiveness means to me or, or, or the importance of forgiveness in our lives as Christians is, is the freedom found in forgiveness. It allows us to not only experience God's overwhelming mercy and grace in our lives, but it also allows us to, to lead others to him by showing and extending that same mercy and that same grace to them. And we don't have to look very far in our Bibles, and um, we can see where forgiveness is offered by God right out of the gate. In the first two, three chapters in Genesis, we see that, that God, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase, I'm not going to uh, read word for word, but but we see where God, he creates everything and he, and he's, and he's, you know, knitting everything together. He creates, he creates the plants, he creates the animals, he creates humanity, he creates the sun, the moon. And, and all of that is made perfect. We're made in perfect, un, perfect union with each other. And we, we know, know, knowing what we know about God, He's not surprised that we were going to mess up. He could have easily said when he got finished with creation, I didn't get them quite right. I'm just going to go back into the dirt. I'm going to take Sunday off. We'll try this again on Monday, right? He, he could have easily said that, but he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. He put Adam, he put, put them in the, in the garden, right? And, and just said, don't do this one thing. Don't eat from this tree. So obviously, what are we going to do? We're told not to do this one thing, and that's exactly where our eyes go, right? That's, that's the one thing we're not supposed to do. But what did he do before that? He made, God a, he made Adam a companion because we are designed, we're created to live in union with each other. And, and it, it's, it's uh, interesting to see how COVID has created that desire for us that much more because for me personally i thought i could go live off the reservation i'd be fine by myself right and and it still sounds a little exciting um but i I would want all of you there like i would want other people just not the chaos of the world um but that's not that's not how we're created we're created uh to to have union with each other but as soon as temptation came across Eve, right? She goes to that tree and she takes that bite and all of our relationships are severed at that point. All of our relationships are vertical and are horizontal. I nailed that. I really thought I was going to do this and this and get them wrong. Vertical, horizontal, okay? All of those relationships were severed at that point. And it was temptation. Surely you won't die, right? That was, that was what she was told. Surely you won't die. We can identify with that, can't we? Surely you won't die if you just click on that link. If you just take a quick peek at that website, you won't die. Surely you won't die if you just take that drink. 
Or if you just say a few words about somebody, you know, it's not gossip, right? Surely you won't die. It's just, you know, you're just saying what someone else has already said. All of these things sever relationships in our lives or they hurt people. Sin entered the world and fractured our relationships. And afterwards, what did they do afterwards? They hid because guilt and shame took over and, and they were so uh, convicted with what they had done. And we can identify with that too, right? As soon as we, we click that link or we say those things or we put those things into our bodies, we feel that guilt, we feel that shame, don't we? And as I was preparing for this, this next verse, I, I've read this verse, I don't know how many times. Let me see my kids leaving already. <laughs> That's fine. He dressed better than I did. It's okay. I didn't want him here anyway. Um, uh, what? Oh, boy. Uh, so this next verse. This next verse floored me, and, and, and I've read it, I don't know how many times. I've read it dozens and dozens of times, mainly because this is about as far as I get on my yearly reading. I'm, no, don't scowl. I know there's others of you out there. Um, that's why Pastor Tom has the amazing app and encourages us all to follow along. Genesis 3.13. Genesis 3.13, the Lord God said to the woman, and this is when they're hiding their guilt and their shame, what is this you've done? What is this you have done? Think about how many emotions can come out in that one sentence. Anger, right? What have you done? Or, or sadness, what have you done? Or disappointment, what is this you have done? And we know that we're created in God's image, right? We have these emotions too. God knew what they had done. But think about all the emotions in that one sentence. So this is where God says, okay, I messed up. I messed up. You two just couldn't follow simple directions, and I'm going to put you back, and we're going to start over. Right? That's what happened? That's not what happened. He listens to their excuses, as poor as they are, as, as lame as they are. He listens to their excuses. And then he outlines their consequences. Right? He doesn't say, it's okay like we tend to do, right? It's not okay. Here are your consequences. He overcomes his emotions. He overcomes the emotions that, that we can all identify with and that what have you done? And then what does he do? He gives them a gift. He makes them clothing and gives them a gift. At that point, he said, I forgive you and here's a gift. But it doesn't make it okay, and there will be things that are going to be painful. There will be things that are, are going to be less than pleasing in your lives. But that's the point where the vertical relationship was fractured, right? When that, when that fruit was eaten. But he also pointed to a redeemer that we know who, you know, it's Christ, right? He pointed to that. He didn't just say, I forgive you, this is going to be miserable, but he gave them an out at the end. Can you imagine what that conversation must have been like after God left? You, you're going to get a little glimpse of my twisted thinking a little bit, which you could also experience on Tuesday nights. 
Can you imagine, like, he, Adam says, this woman made me do it. The woman you gave me made me do it, right? I can just picture Eve saying, woman? I'm, a, I'm just a woman? I thought I was your wife. Maybe if you would have taught me a little bit better what he actually meant, I wouldn't have done it. And that whole be fruitful and multiply, that's not happening tonight, right? <laughs> right? I mean, we can, we can relate to that, right? And, and Adam's thinking, you know, well, if, if you would have just, you know, stayed away from the pretty shiny thing, right? And, and you wouldn't have listened to that serpent. I, I knew you liked him more than me anyway, right? I mean, th- these are the conversations we can identify with. That's, that's a little glimpse inside the, the scary curtain of my mind. Um, but, but how does this example apply to us? How does this example of what God offered for forgiveness right out of the gate apply to us? Because it would be so much easier to run away and avoid conflict if we didn't have the responsibility of teaching those around us or making the decisions of what are we going to eat tonight, what are we going to have for dinner, even those little things can create conflict, can't they? But as, as we see and, and as we've lived in this past year, that's not how we were created. That's not how God wanted us to live. He wanted us to live with others, others that will disappoint us, others that will disappoint, others that will let us down, and others that will let down, right? We're human, and sin is still in this world. But because God pointed to that future Savior, Savior that would repair the vertical fracture that is in our lives, and a Savior that would give us examples of how to live our lives to attempt to heal the fractures in the horizontal. To the promise that's spelled out for us, the promise that's spelled out in 1 Peter 2.24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by His wounds. You have been healed. That's what He pointed to. A lot of us, if not all of us, um, when we came to Christ or come to Christ, we're carrying that guilt. We're carrying the guilt and the shame that they hid in those bushes for. And when we cry out to him, this, this concept of forgiveness is strange to us. The concept of no strings attached. What's the catch? That kind of forgiveness. It's foreign to us. We're so used to the kind of forgiveness that the world offers us. I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. And when you hurt me, I'm going to use that. I'm going to remember that. I have this wild card in my back pocket, and I'm just waiting to play it. Right? That's the kind of forgiveness that we know. That's the kind of forgiveness that the world shows us. When I first became a believer, it was very hard for me to grasp. I don't know if any of you can identify with that. I believed the verse that we saw in 1 Peter, but it was hard to to apply it to my life. I felt like, God, I I get it and I understand and I I want that forgiveness, but there's so much wreckage and pain that I created. How do you not understand that? There's got to be a catch. What's the catch? 
I can't possibly be forgiven for this thing. I still have to suffer a little bit. I still need to feel that pain. I need to keep applying that pain to myself because I just don't deserve it. In a sense, what I was saying is, God, I don't, Jesus, I don't need your blood. I don't need your blood for that because I'm still going to try to take it on this one. I wasn't living this passage of scripture as truth in Romans 3, 25. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. I wasn't having faith in all areas of my life that I was forgiven. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. I was trying to punish myself for those things when God wanted to offer forgiveness for all areas of my life. So if you're someone that's struggling, if you're struggling with something like that in your life, feeling like you just haven't paid the price, Christ paid that price for you. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope just because don't don't give up hope just because you've accepted Christ and, and you truly mean it in your heart. But nothing's starting to change. Nothing, nothing's different. It will change in his time. Trust that that choice that you made to follow him is a pathway to peace and freedom. Freedom from all that you've done. Not just the things that you think you can be forgiven for. It takes time and it takes a lot of time with God. It takes a lot of time in prayer for him to, to cleanse our minds of the things that we think we know, the false truths that we've created in our lives, and a lot of time in his word. Memorizing verses like 1 John 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And Acts 3.19, repent, repent, turn away from those things and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Or Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the grace, with the riches in God's grace. All of it. All of our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. When we get into his word and we pray and we focus on him, we start to understand that he is creating new in us. He's trying to wipe out all of those things. He says, I want, I, I forgive you and I love you and I want to create you new. Through this process, the Lord started to change my heart. The Lord started to change my mind. Through this process, I started to reach out to people that I had hurt, the people that I had wronged in an attempt to make an amends to them, to ask for their forgiveness, knowing full well that I may not get it from most, if not all of them. But this started the process of starting to mend those horizontal fractures that I created 
through my sin, through my decisions, through my choices. The things that I thought I'd never be forgiven for, I may not be forgiven by them, but I know I'm forgiven by him. That's where we start to show, the, show others who he is and what he's capable of. Matthew 5.23 tells us, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, all of those people had something against me, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That doesn't mean that we need to be best friends. It doesn't mean that they even need to accept my forgiveness or, or my offer. I mean, I, they don't need to forgive me but I'm doing what God asked me to do. But this could not have happened until the vertical was fixed. Because I could have gone back to them and I could have started to believe that who who they thought I was, who I used to be, was true. All of those things could have, the enemy could have used those as lies and and whispered, I told you you haven't changed. I told you that this is just you trying to do it, not him. So that's it, right? That's it. We're, we're forgiven. We go and we ask for forgiveness from others. We try to make things right. And everything's done. Except that's not it. That's the freedom that's found in forgiveness that allows us to experience God's overwhelming mercy and grace. But it also allows us to lead others to him by extending mercy and grace to them. So we also need to offer that forgiveness that we've been forgiven. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. I feel like uh, for the first time up here, I I wouldn't be doing justice if I didn't use a C.S. Lewis quote. So um, I felt obligated. uh, But no, I just, I love this quote. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you. So now it's our turn. It's our turn to be on that receiving end. Of the pain and the hurt that a lot of us can identify with. As Christians, we can oftentimes... We can fall into the trap of forgiveness forgetfulness, can't we? Or forgiveness amnesia. We forget some of the things that we've been forgiven of. We know the verses. We know the right things to say. But sometimes as our lives go on, we run into conflict or we run into situations where we react, right? Forgiveness isn't the first thing we think of. It's almost as, as if instantly we forget that all that Christ has done for us, don't we? I'm guilty of it. Sin causes us to place blame elsewhere and point the finger at other people. It lets our pride get in the way. It lets our, our, our egos inflate a little bit when we're offended, when we're hurt. I think we've seen that we're very good at throwing adult temper tantrums during this COVID pandemic, right? 
don't they know who I am? I'm a child of God. They can't tell me what to do, right? I'm guilty of it. Not pointing fingers here, right here. Or maybe that's not it for you. Maybe it's not pride when you forget what your forgiveness uh, or where your forgiveness came from. Maybe you've been hurt so deeply. Maybe you've been hurt so deeply in your past that that you've built up coping mechanisms. You've built walls that you just have vowed you're not going to let people in because you don't want to get hurt again. Behaviors that you've developed at a very young age and perfected over time into your adulthood. Ways of just avoiding these conflicts. Maybe you're someone that just flees from situations when things seem like they're getting a little uncomfortable. I'm just going to stop talking to that person. I'm going to go over here. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to get hurt again. I can't deal with conflict. I can't deal with pain. I've been hurt too much. Maybe you fight. Maybe your reaction is to fight and you're ready to play that wild card. Ready to play that card you've been hanging on to. I was all of these things and I can still be at times. My wife will talk to you in the lobby if you'd like uh, to verify that. I'm not proud of it. But offering forgiveness to someone who does not deserve it can feel like one of the most unnatural things to do, can it? It just doesn't feel right. They don't deserve it. Even if it's just as simple as that person in Walmart that rammed into the back of your leg for the fourth time with their cart, right? You don't want to forgive that person. You want to come around that next aisle like a rally car and just slam into them, don't you? Or is that just me? Like seeing if all those, all those times at the bumper cars and the fair is going to pay off, I finally get to use it, right? Forgiveness isn't the first thing we think of, is it? Or maybe it's that spouse that did click on that link. And you're thinking, what have you done? What have you done? Or maybe it's the murderer that took a life. Offering biblical forgiveness is not something that we can do on our own. It's not something that we can just convince ourselves and say, today's the day. I'm just going to forgive that person. All is good doesn't hurt anymore. All of the emotions are gone. I'm good. I'm just going to move on. We need to lean on God. We need to ask him, God, please help me forgive this person. The same way that I've been forgiven. So some of you may know about eight years ago, um, my sister was murdered. She was murdered in in a rage of jealousy by someone that, that thought he loved her. And, and he probably did, you know. He probably did love her in a way that only he knew, you know, how to love. In a way that he was shown love. Um, and uh, this caused me to go to a very dark place. A really dark place. I was probably six months um, into my walk with Christ. And I had thoughts of how can I get into this hospital where he is. He tried taking his life after he killed her. And I had thoughts of how can I get into the hospital and end his life? Because that's what he deserves. 
then that didn't play out. And then I had thoughts of how can I get arrested? How can I end up in jail so that I can, I can find him, seek him out and make him pay? And I'm not proud of this. This, I'm just being real with you. This is, this is how I felt. I wanted him to pay. But as we saw in the garden, as we saw in the beginning, only God can determine what our consequences are for sin. Only God can determine what we have to do to pay for that or, or what the punishment's going to be. I was trying to play God. I wanted to determine what his consequences were going to be. Some time had passed. I think it was probably after my sister's memorial service. And, um, and I just knew. I knew these thoughts were going to just destroy me. I knew they were going to hurt people in my lives. I knew if I actually carried them out, what those consequences would be. And I just, I wanted them to go away, but I could not make them go away. Every time I thought about it, anger just boiled up. You know, I couldn't get to that place of forgiveness. And it wasn't until I focused my thoughts first on God and then on the situation that my heart started to soften and my mind started to change a little bit. And I, I remember distinctly, and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, audible, it wasn't this big, loud, booming voice, but I could hear God so clearly in my, in my mind. I could hear the conversation. It was, it was at, at first it was, God, I just, you know, what am I supposed to do? How do I get over this? And the first thing that was placed into my head by the Lord was, he didn't grow up as a child that wanted to, to kill the person that he thought he loved. You know, and, and that just brought me back to all the things when I was a kid. You know, all of the things that, that I had done or, or how my, my mechanisms developed. Um, and that softened my heart a little bit. And then the more I prayed, the more I, I you know, I asked continue this, Lord. I, I'm starting to feel things change. He reminded me, I see sin on a level playing field. I know you don't. But what he's done is no different than what you've done. And I wrestled with that for a little bit, but I stayed in scripture and I, and I, I verified it. I didn't trust that voice because my voice is still up there too. It's a little crazy. But I trusted it. And I said, you're right. You're right. I can say this with conviction through my personal experiences that we often get hung up on forgiveness because we want the consequences to play out the way we want them to play out. Or we want that person to show remorse or at least understand what they've done before we can offer forgiveness, right? Or we want the pain to go away before we can offer forgiveness. We want all of the things that God promises us will come with forgiveness to happen before forgiveness, don't we? At least I did. Instead, what we need to look at is, is forgiveness as a transaction or, or an action. We're, we're actually going to make this decision to take all of these things, all of the hurts, all of the emotions, all of the pain, 
all of the words that someone has done to us. We're going to put them in this box. We're going to tape this box up and we're going to hand it right back to you because I don't want that anymore. I don't want to be able to use it. I don't want to be able to feel it. I don't want any of it. It's yours. You can have it. I'm done with it. And instead, I'm going to open up my Bible instead of that box and I'm going to focus on God and I'm going to pray for you. And I understand that there are situations that are not safe to go back to. I'm not saying that all of our relationships, we're going to become best friends again. Some are dangerous. But until we can offer that forgiveness, we're going to be trapped trying to overcome those emotions before we offer it. So I'm going to ask the worship team to, to work their way to the stage but I want to leave you guys with a couple questions to maybe pray about or consider uh, throughout the week. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Are there offenses against you affecting your current relationships? Are you allowing those walls to come up for the people around you, the people that love you? The next question who or what are you still holding a resentment towards? Who is it that you're holding back forgiveness? And last, what are you hiding from God? What are you, what are you in the bushes still carrying guilt and shame around for? And why? I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for the forgiveness that you so freely give us uh, from your son on the cross, paying for all of our sins, not just the ones that we think we can give up. Lord, I pray that, that you'll soften our hearts, you'll soften our minds, and you'll show us the things that we need to reveal to you. Because even though we think we're hiding it, we're not. You know everything about us. I just pray that we'll bring it to you. I pray that if there's someone here today that needs to share something with someone, that they'll find that trusted person, whether it's one of the pastors or whether it's their small group leader or it's their spouse. I just pray that we'll, we'll go forward here from here today, Lord, and, and we'll just, we'll shock the world. We'll shock the world with the forgiveness that you've offered us, that we'll pour out mercy and grace to all of those in our lives. And I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.